Howdy folks, welcome to a mini-episode. It's been a while since we had one, but I'm on a short break due to a public holiday here in New Zealand, and I have a little story from the reign of King Ai that I just can't resist sharing. So here is a little appetizer to hold us over a few days. Episode 159 will release soon, once I'm back from my break. Thanks for listening! The year was 1331 BCE, approximately. Egypt lived and worked for the majesty of Keper Keperu Ra, the god's father, Ai. The elderly king was conservative, meaning he did not change much about the government. For the most part, King Ai carried on the policies of Tutankhamun, but the new pharaoh did leave some interesting records. In episode 158, I discussed a text in which the ruler reorganized a temple. At Karnak, King Ai appointed new priests for Pitar and Hathor, great and powerful deities. The priests could look forward to a steady income, as they received food, drink, and valuable items from the temple offerings. This was a sensible policy for the king. He could build relationships with influential families by putting their sons and daughters in prominent and lucrative jobs. Also, he would gain points with the gods, and the faithful, for he honoured the greatest of deities. Telling that story, I did skip a small detail. You see, King Ai probably appointed other priests to other temples, and another record from this period hints at the king's influence. The pharaoh Ai may have pulled strings to get someone a job. That someone was his nephew. In Ai's reign, the queen of Egypt, or Hemet Nesutweret, the king's great wife, was a lady named Tay. Tay is not the most famous of queens, but she left records here and there. One thing we can say is that Tay probably had a sister, a lady named Mut M. Heb. Mut Emheb, or the goddess Mut is in festival, was a member of the nobility. She had the title Nebet Per, or ruling lady of the house, and she was the Senet Hemet Nesut Weret, aka the sister of the king's great wife. In other words, Mut Emheb is probably the sister of Tay, and sister-in-law of King Ai. Okay. Why is that important? Well, Mut Emheb had a son, and that son rose quite high in the temples. Mut Emheb's son was also named Ai, just like the king. We'll call him Ai Jr. to keep it simple. Ai Jr. shows up on a statue, and on this statue, hieroglyphs tell us about his job. Apparently, Ai Jr. rose quite high. He got an education, becoming a Sesh Nesut, or King's Scribe. Then, he got a nice administrative position. He became the Overseer of the House of T in the domain of Amun. That wordy title tells us that I Jr. was in charge of an estate, or farmland, belonging to the legendary Queen T. The wife of Amunhotep III, Queen T's legacy was great and her estate endured for generations. Well, 
I, Jr. was one of the overseers who managed that estate. It's a cool link between the late 18th dynasty and one of its golden ages. Anyway, I, Jr. became a middle manager, but he also became a priest. On his statue, we find the title Hem Necher Tepi En Mut. This translates as the first God's servant of Mut. You could also translate it as High Priest of Mut. So I, Jr., the nephew of the king, got a job honouring one of the most important goddesses, Mut, the immortal mother. As first priest, I, Jr., would enjoy wealth. Every day, offerings came to the temple, and after using them in the rituals, the priests would distribute those offerings amongst themselves. The distribution was simple. Each priest got a share of the offerings based on their rank. As you can imagine, the first priest got the biggest share. So this was a plum job, literally. Every day, I, Jr. would receive fruit, vegetables, bread, beer, wine, and prime cuts of meat, all from Moot's temple. A sweet gig, if you can get it. The perks did not end there. I, Jr., also got a job in the temple of Amun, the husband of Moot, the lord of Karnak. For Amun, I, Jr. became the Hem Necher Senenu, aka the second high priest. In the hierarchy of temples, this was arguably even better than the first priest of Mut. Karnak and Amun received vast quantities of goods. Every day, supplies flowed into this temple. Farmland devoted to the god, the domain of Amun, produced all sorts of goods, and the king's estates added even more. So you can imagine the quantities, barge loads of grain and barley, endless baskets of vegetables, cattle by the dozen, jugs and jugs of wine, beer, oil, and all good things. Those items would come before Amun as offerings to the holy statue. Then, when the rituals were done, the priests would divvy up the goods. The first, or high priest, received the largest share and we will meet the high priest of Amun another time. But as second priest, I, Jr. would receive a smaller, but still massive, cut of the goods. Like a dividend from owning shares in a company. But he got it every few days. And on special occasions, like festivals, the quantities would skyrocket, as the pharaoh dispensed huge amounts from the royal and temple farms. So priests, like I, Jr., gained a lot of wealth from their job. The items they received would feed their families. But it also fed their servants, their employees, and their retainers, the people serving the family or household. Basically, the daily offerings would allow I, Jr., and other priests to grow their economic and social status. It was a massively lucrative job. I think we can assume that I, Jr. got these jobs partly or wholly thanks to influence. His mother was prominent in her community, and his aunt, Tay, was the queen of Egypt. Even if I, Jr. was skilled or talented, the family connections definitely helped. His background accelerated his career and supported the growth of his household. So I, Jr. gained wealth and influence thanks to family connections. 
To be clear, that is not a criticism. Ancient Egyptian society and government was always built on family and social influence. The idea of a meritocracy, gaining position based on talent or skill, was rare at best. Most of the time, the rich and powerful gained prominence based on their family background, their inheritance, and their connections. So I, Jr. is not unusual, just unusually visible. He gained prominence through traditional, even expected means. Was it nepotism? Probably. But that was the system, the way things were. I, Jr. simply followed the paths that others had created for him. So in the days of King I, the pharaoh's nephew, I, Jr., rose to prominence. Today, his story is immortalized on a statue. This statue can be found in the Brooklyn Museum. It shows I, Jr. seated on the ground. He raises his knees up to his chin, and he lays his arms and hands across his knees, and his whole body is wrapped in a shroud or robe. On the face of that shroud, on the front of the statue, Lines of hieroglyphs record the names and titles of I, Jr. These sort of statues, with the person kneeling wrapped in a robe, are quite common for the 18th dynasty. But I, Jr. has quite a nice one. The man's face is damaged, but he has rich, full lips, almond-shaped eyes, and his hair hangs down heavily, in clear plaits or braids. The statue is generic but looking at it, you do get a sense of a young man raised to prominence and able to access wealth and prestigious art. Again, I, Jr. came from wealth, and he benefited from those connections. But looking at this little statue, we do get a sense of an ancient life. I, Jr. does not have a huge legacy, but his tale is informative. Stories like this help us peek behind the curtain and see the mechanisms that drove Egyptian society. Kings, or pharaohs, were not just rulers and governors. They had families, relationships, and clans. And they served those families, or enriched them, with lucrative jobs and posts. Perhaps the king's family, like his wife or his in-laws, even pressured the ruler to find jobs for their children. As influential families jostled for positions, Young men might find their careers accelerating, their wealth growing, and their households flourishing. Laborers on the farms grew food for the gods. The priests in the temples used that food in offerings. Ultimately, those offerings flowed into well-connected households, which they used to build their influence and their local communities. It was a lucrative system if you could get your foot in the door. And if your mother happened to be the queen's sister, well, things were certainly much easier. <laughs> 